Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of Ukrainian football in English language. I'm your host, Adam from Ukrafot24, and I'm joined as always by my two excellent co-hosts for our first traditional format podcast of 2022. Joining me, of course, is Ray. Good evening, mate. Great to be back. Excited for this year. Yeah, sure, Adam. Really excited this year. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, though, we start with uh, our newcomers in European football, so stay tuned. Although it is our first live broadcast this year, one man has been very busy the last few weeks. He seems to have been whizzing all over England. Andrew, Mr. Zoria Londonsk, how are you doing, mate? You had a breather from your, your train travelling around the country? <laughs> Here and there, just the weekends at the moment, but... You know, been taking in all the transfer news that we'll be discussing. Hopefully, summarise everything that's going on. Certainly been a whirlwind uh, few weeks, hasn't it? But before we dive into the transfer news, a bit of managerial news, of course, is a sad but maybe expected departure of Andrei Shevchenko from Genoa. I mean, Andrew, obviously... You, you've been following the Genoa story very closely since Shevchenko joined. Disappointed, surprised, what emotions were you feeling towards the announcement earlier this week? Well, when it came, it wasn't so much as a surprise on the basis that it was being rumoured for the past week and a half before it happened. The, I guess the only thing that was surprising was the timing, that it came just before their um, league tie against Fiorentina, which, since replacing him, they've actually lost so that's good stuff roll on the general consensus of what what's happened there a lot of people are slightly surprised that he wasn't given more time the transfer window has just opened as as we're going to be discussing a lot of action has already happened but I mean in football terms I think there's been like two Serie A games this year that's not really enough time to fully do anything properly for Shevchenko with his new signings that he's brought in it was already seen in the Milan game, which ended up being his last, that they were playing a lot better football, defensively at least. <laughs> and maybe you could have seen some improvements in the coming weeks, maybe even going forward, because they signed a new centre-forward, um, Kelvin Yaboa, who's related to the legendary Tony Yaboa. And who knows, they might even bring bringing in a couple more players. The biggest rumour was uh, Alexei Miranchuk, the, the Russian international. Um, so maybe... He, Shevchenko just dodged a bullet there rather than the backlash he would have got back home he decided to leave early and there's also unconfirmed claims that he was going to get a 20 or a million payout whether that is true I've heard some people deny that or he'll be carry on getting paid some sort of wage until he gets a new job or something like that he was linked with the Poland job which apparently has since been going to a native Poland Navalka that's out of the question. Where he'll end up next, no one knows. But technically, a lot of people say that this has probably tarnished his club managerial 
credentials for going into a job like this. Okay, yes, it was a sort of a double-edged sword that he was more or less always going to likely to fail. And if he left, there could be the excuse that it was all against him and it was very hard. But still, nonetheless, if you're a good coach, you could potentially change that situation regardless of the circumstances. Maybe we're being harsh or something, but yeah, Shevchenko didn't really have much time to do anything properly. He had loads of injuries in his squad. He had COVID twice, so he wasn't on the bench for like, or maybe just one. But still, that evidently uh, affects things when you're not allowed to be at training for a few weeks. And maybe Andrea Maldera, who didn't take on the job, knew something or... He was just, you know, better placed to <laughs> to uh, refuse. Maybe smart enough not to take that job, but I think we've seen across football, football across the world, basket case clubs and uh, Genoa certainly looks like one of those, even though they, they've fallen under this new ownership that doesn't seem to want to take a new direction for the, for the historic club there. For me, my take... The question has to be asked, who advised him to take the job in the first place? Um, that's a question I would like answered somewhere down the line. I doubt we'll ever get it, but whoever said, yeah, club with odds on for relegation, there you go. <laughs> Dive in there to ruin your managerial reputation. That's that's not one for me. Ray, where do you see him going next? Derby County. <laughs> Maybe so, maybe so. Derby County or Dynamo Kiev? Not happening. Uh, I mean, Luchesky definitely in for another 15 years. So, uh, talking about Sheva, well, 20 millions is a good payback for that two months of... Well, it was a decent uh, message from uh, the, the board of Genoa, new owners, that they put Shevchenko a name, which they needed, uh, in, um, the, in, head, in the head of the, of the club. Uh, as a head coach, but it didn't work out. We, I don't know who to blame, you know. Shevchenko is known for his uh, weird career choices. So you can remember how Berlusconi and Galliani didn't want him to leave to London, but it was all set. You remember how he got the managerial job in Ukrainian national team. There was no choice. He simply took the license and that was his first place to work. Uh, he was just picked. There was no, um, there was no elections for that uh, position. So he was just there. He was the symbol of Ukrainian football and he he did a good job with national team, we discussed it plenty of times and this allowed him to to continue in Syria where he is um, he's almost local there. And uh, now I think he might, might consider joining Ancelotti's uh, staff, you know, just to gain more experience and just to, you know, um, you know, lay low for a while. That would be the good choice. Definitely, definitely. Well, moving on, time to dive into transfers. The biggest incoming transfer of the window so far has seen Neres join Shakhtar Donetsk from Ajax. Of course, we're really lucky today to have Michael with us from Football Orange. Good evening, Mike. Cool. How are you doing over there? Hope everything's okay. Yeah, all right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. It's good to get back after the... I mean, the site upset in the summer with the Euros, <laughs> but uh, it's good to have a chat again. Talking about something very different today, the big uh, transfer for us from Neres from Ajax to Shakhtar. I mean, 
we were a bit surprised over here. What's been the take over there? Were people surprised that he's come to Shakhtar the next? And uh, I mean, what was your own personal opinion on it? Thanks, first of all, for having me back. And I've been keeping tabs on you guys in Ukrainian football since. Um, great coverage with you guys. Um, but with Nerest, I think he needed this move so bad. That was my first reaction. That It is great to see him move on from Ajax because he was never going to get a starting spot there again anytime soon. Um, things are going a bit stale for him. They're going backwards even. And he, he, he just lost this touch that he had um, around 2018, 2019. He had two great seasons where he was, he was just on another level. His output was brilliant. He was being monitored by some of the top clubs in Europe. Um, and and he, he, he had like, I know we'll come on to it because things did seem to change for him. And, and, I, and I think that now, after a couple of years of being in and out of the team, this this is a move that he needed. I think this is a good move for him that he's going to a new country, a new league, but equally not not um, <laughs> that means disrespectful, not a better one, not a Serie A, not a Liga where he would have struggled. I think he would have found that move really, really hard. And I think somewhere like Shakhtar, where he will win a lot of games, he will get a lot of games and, and get back scoring goals. I think that was important for him. So, well, touching on what you've already mentioned there, Michael. We've seen that he's evidently not at the top of his game. Well, he hasn't been in those past two years. Is that more to do with the fact that Anthony's come and he's just a better player and he's playing better than him and taking his spot? Or has there been some sort of drop that potentially um, Shakhtar should have a, maybe concerns for or something like that? Because evidently we he's already got... Um, a good teammate in, well, former teammate in Lucina Troy already there, mm. so that shouldn't be too hard settling in, obviously, with the Brazilians too. But what exactly has gone wrong that uh, he has had to make this move? I can trace it back to, a chrono- chronologically, I'm thinking back when he had these great years, he then had to contend with a few things. One of them was Anthony, so that was the last problem. The first one was Hakim Ziyech went from being more of a midfielder to being a right winger. And we all know how great Ziyech was when he was with Ajax, how effective he was. With Chelsea, not so much right now, but his quality is undoubted. And I think Neres then had to contend with Ziyech basically taking his position in the team. He was a right winger. He did play some on the left. He's, he's left-footed, but I always find he's better on the right. Then you had Dusan Tadic on the left wing, his captain. You feel like you're, ne- you're never going to displace him. Um, that was the first problem second problem he had a knee injury I think that was a big setback for him he then had to spend some time away from the side and that was what kind of cemented him losing his place the third thing that came along was Anthony who genuinely looks better than Eris and I think from Ajax's perspective when you think about who's who's worth the money Neres has lost his place lost his form Anthony has come in and, and done a great job you're thinking, well, let's let's continue to upmarket Anthony and let's make his value higher because he's doing so well and rather than bringing in Neres again and trying to put him back into form. So those three things didn't help him. And I think that it's never simple with a player, but those three things together have culminated in him losing confidence, losing his place, and consequently he's had to go. And eventually, Michael, you mentioned the uh, drop in uh, the league level and the overall class of uh, teams for Neres in uh, the championship he picked. And that's why uh, we would like to ask you what position and what style of play would you uh, rather see him 
best used in uh, Shakhtar by the Derby because he's a promising coach and he was probably one of the factors why uh, Neves picked this club apart from the fact that Shakhtar itself has a lot of Brazilians in the squad. Yeah. So th- therefore, what do you think about his future in the team and onwards? Yeah, that was interesting with Shakhtar signing another Brazilian and bringing Neres, not from Brazil, but from another European club. He's, he's, I think he's best in the right wing because he can, he can impact around the penalty area a lot more. Ajax are famed for all of their intense attacking play. Um, and, and, and Neres isn't someone who bombs down the wing. He's not exceptionally fast um, while still being a quick player. He doesn't um, throw the crosses into a big striker. His style of play is rather different to that. He's technical. He will come in the penalty area and, and wreak havoc with his close control. He likes to lay off um, as often as possible to, to his fellow attacking players. He's just got that, that very typical Brazilian style about him that he's so skillful. He's, he's very gifted and he's got a great finish on too. And whether that's you know, something close in the area, but also can whack a long shot as well. I think, yeah, if he can get him back to his best, he's definitely an enjoyable player to watch. We're all looking forward to seeing him uh, performing here in Ukraine. We can't wait for it next next month when the season starts again. Of course, they've headed off for winter training already, so hopefully we'll see him in some of the spring friendlies or winter friendlies very soon. And listening to you there, it's been, I mean, it's been great insight and it gives me a little bit more optimism that it's perhaps a move that he needs to help him get back to where he was more than him being a, sh- a shining star that's sort of burning out and come mm. for a come for a payday. So fingers well, yeah. crossed. There, and, but... and I just wanted to add as well that when he was with Ajax, he was what once the most valuable player in the Dutch league, a league that had likes of De Jong and De Ligt him. When around that time, he was someone because of his age, because of his ability, was that highly rated? And, and I think it's sad to see him fall back in that respect. I think he. I say it's, it's football's about confidence, and I think he, if he gets that back, if he can play up to seventy percent of the player he was, yeah, it's a great move. Yeah, like we say, can't wait to see it. Really can't. Mm. Now, I, Michael, I thank thank you so much for joining us today. It's great great to get this insight. Um, just before you go, the podcasts, the website, everything you're doing, it's it's been great watching it from our side as well. Just for our, for our listeners, just tell them a little bit more about it where they can find it yeah so um football aranya is a dutch football website in english language with the biggest english outlet of dutch football um it's spelled football the same in english and aranya which is orange but replace the g with a j and yeah we've got a website all the match reports in the league the national team um we interview players if we can and we have a podcast all about dutch football and I've got to say, hopefully Ukraine and Holland's paths will cross again sometime. I'm sure they will. <laughs> on the international circuit, so we'll go have some more good conversations again. But yeah, thanks so much for today, Marco. Take care. Hope to speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, a big thank you to Michael there for his great insight. Some other news from Shakhtar, of course. There was a lot of rumours about uh, Mikhail Modric moving to Brentford earlier in the window. Those rumours seem to have died out now. Our contacts at Brentford have, have kind of confirmed that. Also the news that they're now tracking Christian Eriksen and looking at a short-term contract for him would seem like that's it. 
that's where the club wants to invest their money. My personal opinion there is probably Shakhtar have priced him out of Brentford's transfer budget at this stage. More recently, of course, Vinicius Tobias, a young young Brazilian picked from under-20 squad over in Brazil. Typical uh, Shakhtar signing. It's been brought across to play uh, right back, I believe. Uh, obviously, cover for Dodo. Next generation, maybe Dodo's looking to move on in the next few years. Don't expect him to play much at this time. Who knows, he may go to Mariupol in a, in a month or so to help them out. But uh, Shakhtar's business at this stage seems to be going quite well. How are things looking at Dynamo, Andrew? <laughs> I was on a Dynamo abroad last week for their episode and uh, we were laughing at the fact that whilst probably the entire league is into some sort of action, one kind or another, Dynamo Kiev don't seem to be either linked with anyone and their main activities are all related to outgoings. So we obviously had Mikolenko has left for Everton. That's probably the big one, which we'll touch on in a minute. And then they've had a number of lone players leave. Nazari Rusin has gone to Tron Moritz. A number of other players have remained at Tron Moritz due to the stuff that's going on there, which we'll touch on later on. And in general, it just doesn't look very um, ambitious for the remainder of the season. I understand that Dynamo Kiev don't have much to go for in terms of Europe. But they are currently, even though it's a very small margin, they're still behind. They're still behind Shakhtar in the league. And, you know, if you see the likes of David Neres being signed, who's even at 12 million, which in the grand scheme of things is quite cheap. But what a player they're getting compared to the sort of the stagnation we're seeing at Dynamo Kiev this season. Even in the same position, Viktor Sankov doesn't look to be the player that he used to be. There's a lot of, um, you know, plateauing in all these players, like we mentioned that about McCollumcoy and our Everton special, that had he not left this window, it probably would have just progressed at that way. Just stagnation and nothing too special. I guess the there isn't one incoming per se. It's a lone return. And that is Vladislav Dubinchak has returned from Dnipro 1. And he is going to be the, per se, number one choice left back who's replacing McCollumcoy in the team. And he's been Dynamo Academy. He's been on loan at Karpata Lviv, amongst others, over the past few years. And he impressed at Dnipro 1 too. So he's got a chance now. But I mean, he's not young himself. He's 23. So he's got to start showing what he can do. Whether he's at the level of McCollumcourt, I don't know. But that's sort of the level of Dynamo in general at the moment. They probably can't attract those top players. But also, they don't want to shell out money that Shakhtar have been doing in recent years. So that's sort of the catch-22 you've got there. And most recent up-to-date news, in terms of from, from my sources, uh, is that Bogdan Lednev is finally being given another chance to play football somewhere else. He's going to be joining uh, Molfehavar soon, according to the source, on loan with an option to buy. So he'll be linking up with Ivan Petriak Makarenko over there in Hungary. Let's see if he can do something because it's been very disappointing to see just the lack of chances he's been given since he's returned from uh, Zoria, that loan. So all of those. But yeah, in general, there is no real positive um, news to come out of Dynamo Kiev in a grand scheme of things for incomings and outcomings as well. 
there's been links with Supraga to like every bottom half Serie A <laughs> and top half Serie B side of late. I've also been reassured that that's all fake news. So he very well may be staying at Dinamo until at least the summer. Who knows? Um, that could progress quite quickly. And then for the rest of the team, there were rumours that Depena, uh, Verbic and Tahankov could be moving on this window, but just don't see that happening right now. Well, you, you say that, but I mean, the Mikolenko outgoing, that's big business. That's very big business, Andrew. I've got to disagree with you now. I mean, no, 20, of course. 20, is it? 20 million quid, 18 million quid they got from Everton for him. No, and, then, and then a week later, they sacked the manager that signed him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I, I've really been mentioning this. I've been mentioning this, that Natalia um, McCollincourt is the biggest winner out of the whole Everton situation. He's come into a brand new club. He's the first choice left back straight away. There's no backup to left back other than playing a centre back or a youngster out of position there. His first two matches for Everton have been pretty tough going. I can't lie. The um, the first match, the debut against Hull in the Cup, they won three two, but it was a very shaky for first fifteen minutes for McCollincoe before he settled in and then had to play relatively cautiously for the remainder of the game because he was on the yellow card from the start of the first half but I mean after a month out of not playing football at all he looked all right he's certainly not up to the pace of the English game just yet that's for sure I think he's definitely going to need the adaptation that we all mentioned that he's going to need to get up to that to recover to the intensity of the league and similarly (laughs) the game against Norwich bottom of the league his EPL debut away from home Cool. He got away with a really terrible back pass that luckily Norwich couldn't convert. He probably could have done better on both of the goals that Everton conceded in that one. But what you have to take into context is that the defence in general was a shambles under Rafa Benitez. I think there might be a bit of a sigh of relief just for the whole squad. Uh, Duncan Ferguson take charge for at least for some part of the foreseeable future. In general, I don't think for the next six months, well, until the summer at least, that's going to impact McCollincourt massively unless he gets an injury because they've spent that money on him. I think they're going to have to play him, really. And if anything, the fact that he has to play, he's sort of going to be forced to adapt to the situations that he's been thrust in. Yes, it might be like (laughs) there might be a few more disasters along the way, but I feel that in parts he is still... Um, relatively comfortable, like his passing. He's had a few couple good crosses that he's been allowed to um, allowed to do because there's actually players in the box for Everton, unlike there is at Dynamo, um, that can reach the end of um, those passes. In general, like we all said, going to take some time, but I am quietly confident that he will rise to the occasion, at least from the start of next season, after this sort of bedding in period. And hopefully, touch wood, uh, Everton do stay up. Fingers crossed there, fingers crossed. Personal take on it, I think a few months under the guidance of Duncan Ferguson will do him the world of good. He might need a translator with him all the time, but uh, that man will certainly get him acclimatised to traditional English football rather quickly, shall we say. 
Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention the rumours about Rooney going to buddy up with Ferguson. Now, that would be a, a real double duo <laughs> over there on Merseyside. Anyway, moving on, we've got a whole whole heap of news to, to plow through. Let's start with uh, the Nipro one. Emphasis on one, not the Nipro. But they've, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of rumours about Dovbik going here, there and everywhere. Remember back before the start of uh, the winter break, there were stories of Dynamo Kiev being interested but not willing to meet the asking price. The Nipro have brought in a striker, Mark Wal. He's a, a former Spanish youth, plays second division in the Spanish league until uh, this winter. Doesn't score many goals, hasn't got more than six in a season over the last few years, not the greatest of centre forwards. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how he adapts. It might be that he plays sort of he's been brought in more as a backup to Dovbik in the in the short term, ahead of a, a summer transfer more than a winter transfer there, because he doesn't come with the greatest pedigree. I was I was looking at him and I thought Fran Sol came to came to mind when when looking at the sort of player that he is. Uh, Zoria, a club that we were worried about and we were worried about going into the winter break. Um, they've been busy. They've budded up with their good friends Pro Star and brought in a ton of their, their players in particular. Um, as Andrew mentioned earlier, that the Dynamo have let a number of you know, sort of youths and that go out, and a number of them have gone to Zoria. Uh, Mirny Skorko, Skorko, got that one right. Uh, there's another fellow whose name escapes me as well. Yeah. That's the one, have all, have all gone down there. And Danchenko, of course, um, has come back to Ukraine from Greece. A controversial move for obvious reasons. Another pro star player, it should be added as well has joined on loan a club that did make and just before we end on Zoria it's worth mentioning that there could be two outgoings maybe not outgoings this window but certainly outgoings in the foreseeable future so Vladislav Kocherhin who was dropped to the reserves back in October or something he is in the final six months of his contract it ends in the summer and Armenia Bielefeld in the Bundesliga, currently second bottom, have approached him and wanted to sign him this window, but they couldn't agree on a fee or deal with Zoria, and hence he is likely, well, the rumours say that he's likely to sign for them on a free in the summer. So that just shows that Zoria evidently don't want to make any money on him, regardless of whatever offer was made there, and they're happy for him not to play. Very strange decision, in my opinion. And then a less surprising or less detrimental loss is Artem Hromov wants to be on his way out as well. He's got apparently an offer from another UPL side and another club in Eastern Europe is interested in him. Uh, both unnamed and he's been dropped to the reserves per se whilst that gets tried and sorted out. And I see that he's probably the more actual um, to leave this window. He's not scored many goals. He's not that influential. And if anything, sometimes he just lacks uh, lacks the ability to to add anything too good in the Zolia team. So I don't think that's going to be a massive loss. Um, 
but yeah, on the whole, their transfers have been all right, interesting. Let's just see if they're going to be able to live up to the main exit, obviously, Al-Hiyar, who um, does have to replace him, uh, has got massive boots to fill. Yeah, with regards to Al-Hiyar, um, we may remember that it was right at the very end of the window this time last year when Zahidi was brought in and it was very, very late when they replaced him. So with the Zoria story, it isn't finished for this window and that's pretty much certain. One club that I think their story was concluded on one day was Alexandria that really shocked us back in early January, didn't they, right? Sort of, Adam. As for a little team, which we always admire for keeping that soul of Ukrainian football running uh, up and ahead, uh, they've signed quite a few good players. Uh, five of them we can mention. Khaled Vintsev, who is a uh, former Dynamo youngster and has been recently has been having quite a rough time with all these injuries. Himself, he had a few bright splashes so to speak in um, some in a few matches for Chornomorts uh, particularly and Desna he brought some good uh, points and uh, he was there when they needed him but overall he is unstable in terms of his uh, conditions uh, also Bandarenko joined in Kostishin from Kolos which is uh, uncommon in, in all truth when a son gets separated from his relative who is working in a high position in a certain club, in this case, Colas. Uh, good luck to him. Uh, also, Vagiman joins from Chernomor. It's a long-time leader of the club, a bright spot in Chernomor. It's uh, game, apart from all the loanies from Dynamo. And this guy has been scoring a few real screamers in Persia League last season. And now he's... I would like to think that he is on his um, rise in Alexandria, but... We'll see. Uh, and the, the one more player which I would like to mention is Biloshevsky, who was a uh, captain of Dynamo youth team two years ago before he joined Desna. And now he is coming back to our spotlight with Alexandria. He, he's been given a lot of uh, credentials uh, earlier and now he has the time and place to prove them. The only issue would be the current Alexandria spot in the table. What are they aiming for? What are, where are they going to end up? For now, it seems like another Polisa from Persia Liga, but in the Premier League. And the Polisa will be touching on later. We certainly will. We certainly will. Uh, we mentioned there briefly Kalit Vincev as transfer to Alexandria. At time of recording, it is still in dispute. Um, the legal gurus around Kiev are scrutinising their contracts. There's talks of fines being paid at the moment regarding regarding the deal. What we do know is Desna returned to training yesterday and uh, their player did not show up. There was a quite amusing quote to say that, well, we've bought him his plane ticket and the hotel room in Turkey for winter training, so we expect him to be there. Uh, I don't believe he will be. Desna, of course, have lost a number of other key players this winter. Totovitsky going to Kolos, being obviously a huge lot. Uh, but Kivsky, who we'll touch on a little bit later, Another one, Avaladza, still hasn't found a contract. The loaning of Bolbat has been cancelled and he's gone back to Shakhtar. 
there's another transfer which name escapes me at the moment. Oh, it was Yachenko has cancelled his contract as well with Tesla. And they're being put on, under an embargo because of them they haven't paid fees or salaries for the young Romanian defender that was with them briefly last season, Constantin Dima. And uh, as has been mentioned by our good friend Vladimir Zverev, not all the teams that start this season will finish this season. And we're not quite sure how Desna are going to be able to put out a team at this moment in time, at least a competitive team. So let's watch this space. A club that certainly boosted their numbers today announcing Three new signings was Verez, um, the Armenian international whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce because uh, I don't know upset him. Oh, you're, you're just showing off, Andrew. <laughs> you're just showing off. Um, has joined and the Estonian international that I'm going to do even worse than I would do an Armenian one has joined as well in midfield, beating Kolos to his signature. I feel, believe it was Carlos that we first linked there. So rather impressive. And more impressively, of course, is uh, Dmitry Povereshnyuk has, has re-signed for spring football. So we're going to... Will he make his debut appearance in the UPL before the end of the season? What a fairy tale story that will be. However, they still haven't replaced... Uh, Ferrandosh, who's of course dropped down to Piramorga in the in the Druga Liga, scored most of a fair number of goals for them in the first half of the season. So I still expect a striker to come in there before the end of this winter. Uh, before we went for our winter break, we had a good old look at Chorna Moritz because we were expecting their purchase to go through and they do have new owners and it's been rather busy hasn't it Andrew? Very much so. As we mentioned the the Roman Herkorachuk deal, the new well the returning manager was all finalised the new ownership is technically not the new owners yet I think they are going to come in as full owners in the summer they're currently like main sponsors of the club financial terms and they have made literally no pauses or rest when it comes to transfers and we have had a load of new players come in i can just list them off quickly douglas berkvist has come in from sweden new center back Boroslav tonev and martin petkov have joined from bulgarian side levski sofia both of those are seen as quite decent talents um, from the Bulgarian side. Yevhen Past has left Nipro 1 and rejoined his uh, hometown club of uh, Toronto Moritz as well. And then we've also got an LA Galaxy reserves player join. Uh, Jorge Hernandez arrives from across the pond. Uh, Ivan Bobko, who we've mentioned a few times during our lower league episodes, has Re-signed for Toronto Moritz 2 from LNZ, who was uh, one of their star players earlier on this season. And the likes of Mohamed Kadiri, Sitejvili, I think Isayenko and Vanat are all still there for the remainder of this season. So that ending of Loney's isn't entirely true. But I mean, they're the better quality players that were brought over from Dynamo. So decent enough that they can maybe 
perform better under the tutelage of Rekhorchuk. And then we've got brand new Dinamo Loni signing, good old Nazari Rusin, who we've seen multiple seasons over of late, who has failed to perform too well since leaving, I think, Zorian loan. Then he went to Lechia, Warsaw, Pro One. He's just not been able to reach the heights of that Zoria loan. Or in general, he's not really lived up to his billing back in the day. And he's now got another chance at Tronomonics. We'll see what happens there. Exciting times. I guess the biggest problem will be with so many incomings, can Hrikorachuk create some sort of chemistry and cohesive action to ensure that they stay up this summer? Because that is their main goal. They can stay up and then from next season, I guess they can start building and trying to hit those top six spots for the European places. And it's funny you mentioned the need to stay up there because with some of the transfers taking place in the Persia at the moment, those playoffs are going to be awfully competitive, I think, this this year. You wouldn't want to finish third or fourth bottom and we'll have to meet Polisha Zitomir in, in the playoff. I mean... Who have they signed? It seems ridiculous the sorts of players they're bringing in. Well, your favourite player, Adam, uh, Vladislav Vakula, has found himself a new team. And yeah. yes, he, he's um, joined Polisio on loan. Um, can he reinvigorate his career under the tutelage of Khaled Vincev Senior? We will see. I feel that the they signed a load of players from sort of, of UPL calibre in the summer. And they were just still unable to perform too well in the Petra. I think that, for whatever reason, Kalit Vincent may not last long when it comes into the second half of the season if they don't start performing. Um, someone you mentioned earlier, Pilip Budkivsky, has arrived uh, as a free agent after being released by Desna. And then it, they've also signed uh, an, a keeper from Metalist, whose name escapes me, and a number of others who, in general, you look at their team and it's like, this is definitely a, maybe a bottom half UPL side, but it's the pedigree of it being like a Pedro side is probably a bit too too high. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, big things expected from them um, this second half, whether they can pull back all those points differences to get into those playoff spots or even those automatic spots behind Metalist, obviously, um, is another thing. Yeah, it's... The announcement of Budkivsky today was made my eyebrows rise just a little higher. He's, you know, he he really is UPL pedigree for over a number of seasons. I saw an interesting uh, a response to one of your tweets uh, today. Are metalists trying to buy the Ukrainian Cup this season with some of their signings that they're being rumoured to make? Oh, I. It's incredible the players they're bringing in. I mean, right, took one of uh, they've two of your boys now, haven't they? Chid- Chidamirian as well as Mirza. I don't know, Adam, how good a, uh, a youngster, a, a guy who was brought up in Obolo in backyards, joined Kharkiv team, but I'm not sure about that. I'm definitely sure about Mirza, though. A, um, an, up and, an up and coming. Uh, joker for Kiev team who scored a few important goals and has been a uh, well he's been showing some talent controversial in times when he took these red cards in Harkin game and we lost 0-3 and now he's joining Metalist I mean there's some controversy going on apart from that uh, I think he has been uh, he was taken uh, for uh, the limit 
uh, because obviously Metal is joining the Premier League and they are full of Argentinians and Spanish speaking, uh, Portuguese uh, language speaking uh, players and they need some Ukrainians and Morza is one of them and he is in somewhat uh, skillful and might be a good replacement for uh, Peixoto or whatever it's going to be in, uh, the, in his spot uh, in the first team of Metalist. I would say he's becoming a uh, a Karki Konoplanka as uh, it's been for Shakhtar recently. So we'll see. But, you know, um, Obolon transfer story is one thing we would, I would not like to mention this part. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. We won't ask you about that. I mean, our good friend, Kadeem, Kadeem Harris. Now, he, he must be worried about his place in the team. It's all these Brazilians and Argentinians being linked there. It's very very interesting what very interesting and uh yeah that i think i'm gonna have them as my favorites to win the cup this year it certainly help the coefficient next time around uh before we finish tonight a couple of little bits of news of course uh i mean i got a new manager vladimir Ron. do we think he can pull off any magic there and create a miracle down in ushgarod and save manai this year or is it beyond him, Ray? Comeback of the century it is. I mean, this guy has obviously had a great holiday if you look at his uh, recent interviews and stuff. And his training, coaching methods, I mean, that's pure Lobanovsky right there. If you forgot about who this guy is, watch Sharon doing his work at Minai this half a season. He said that he will be giving Selesnov a chance. That's one of his early comments. We'll see how that gets along. But also, he's got a bit of an uphill battle because he's lost two of his best players in this window. Uh, Petr Senko has moved to Hungary, Honbed, and also Rustam Ahmadze. He's gone to Karabakh. So, they're going to need to find um, some of their creativity and stability in the window. Whether, we haven't mentioned him yet, but whether the long-term linked Yevhen Konoplyamka, who is and has been free to leave by Shakhtar this window, whether he will end up at FC Manai, uh, we still await uh, the legendary um, transfer to that for that to happen. But no, in all seriousness, um, it's still going to be very hard for Manai to get off that bottom spot. Even with Sharan in, their squad does not look very capable um, of doing any great escapes. Before we go tonight... Uh... One final thing, which we just like to wish the best of luck to our good friend Madan Bartolovic as he embarks on the next stage of his career. It's always a shame to see a player hang up his boots, but seeing him move into the coaching department there at Ingolex. Has he become the greatest Croatian goal scorer in Ukraine football history? I think he was still one off, sadly. Yeah. So yeah. it's a shame that he never. Well, he can always return, you know. Yeah, exactly. And joining. Bartolovic in the training uh, staff there is also Lepashko, the ex-captain who's also retired, and Bogdan Schust, who uh, retired similarly uh, as well. So it's it's nice to see some continuity there as well. So the the younger guys and they're building sort of the next generation for the move to their new stadium whenever ever that actually happens. But yeah, I think that's it tonight. It's been a while. It's been a lot of news. Sorry for everyone who's still with us now a good hour in. Uh, but it's been, been a 
been a, it's been a really exciting window. It feels like every single day you, you turn on to the news and there's somebody moving somewhere at this moment around the league, which is great to see all this business taking place. And we've still got a few more weeks to go. We know that all the players are back now in, heading into spring training. Most have gone off to their first winter training camps and friendlies are going to start in the next week or two. But uh, yeah, that's that's it for tonight, unless I've forgotten anything, Andrew Ray. All good. I'm looking forward to the remainder of the window. Um, should be entertaining. We know that the Ukrainian one closes a bit later than the full European one for free agents and whatnot. Let's just hope that Dynamo can get someone in to be able to compete and make it a bit more of an entertaining second half of the season, especially with both of those clubs out of Europe. And for the remainder of the UPL, continue in the light that you're doing because we're really enjoying it. Tron and Moritz have been really creative on their social medias with their presentations for players. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, go on their Instagram. Um, very subpar uh, presentations of players, but equally for, uh, for humorous um, circumstances and, uh, you know, Good stuff, and it should be entertaining now that we're going to see a few friendlies and all the likes. Um, fingers crossed, and don't don't forget we're going to see the Winter Cup coming up soon, which is going to feature some of these interesting sides that we've already mentioned. Metalist Polisia taking on the mighty Veres and Trondomoritz too. So um, that's coming up. Something new for too. this winter, it certainly is. Well, that's it for tonight, everyone. Ray, great. Great to be back in the in the hot seat, as we say. It's it's like we've never been away. Definitely, although it seems like an eternity between the last uh, match we've seen in Premier League and the upcoming. So still plenty to go, and we will be here with you. Certainly, for new listeners, mate, where can they find you on socials? I think that might be all on casual Instagram. We're not really sure. I think <laughs> I just recently released. A 30-year anniversary collection for Oblan Kiev uh, Football Club in North Kiev, uh, capital of Ukraine. So please join <laughs> in and find yourself a nice fancy bit. Yeah, some excellent, excellent stuff there. I really recommend it. And, uh, Andrew, where can people find you if if they don't know already? <laughs> uh, Zori Londonsk on Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah, been a busy few weeks of away days and the likes and i've got another trip coming up this weekend so watch out for that ah interesting interesting well that's it for everyone make sure you keep an eye out for andrew's travels i'm adam of course at ukrafoot 24 till next time take care and goodbye for now head, please, please, head.